Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is sponsored by Epsilon. Today, I'm delighted to announce a unique opportunity for one lucky listener of Let's Talk Loyalty to enjoy a complimentary workshop with the loyalty experts at Epsilon. One brand every month will have the chance for a unique, independent loyalty lab, a review of your loyalty program, where Epsilon will share their expert ideas how to drive your program's performance to a whole new level. This workshop is a powerful way for you to measure and then increase the return on your investment in your loyalty program. So to apply, head over to letstalkloyalty.com forward slash epsilon and enter your details. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Loyalty featuring one of the largest telecommunications companies in the United States, Verizon. With revenues approaching $130 billion and over 132,000 employees, Verizon is, of course, a huge company with a huge customer base to retain in an extremely competitive industry. The company has won multiple loyalty awards for its strategy and its program, called Verizon Up. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Lisa Rutel, Verizon's marketing strategy lead. Lisa shares with us the latest propositions she's building to keep Verizon customers engaged, as well as some insights from her earlier career in loyalty with other leading brands like Jaguar. I hope you enjoy hearing all the latest exciting loyalty concepts from Verizon USA. So, Lisa, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks for having me. Great. It's super exciting, Lisa. I think I was telling you it's going to be telecommunications week here at Let's Talk Loyalty. Yes, yes. Telecom week for you. Oh, my goodness. After so many years working in it, I thought I was moving on to other industries. But here we go. There's a love of telecommunications and I think actually a big trend towards loyalty in our sector, Lisa. So I'll be very keen to hear what Verizon is doing. I know there's a lot of change going on for you right now. So before we get into talking about Verizon Up, your wonderful loyalty program, as you know, I'm always super interested to hear about people's favorite loyalty programs. So let's get off. Uh, sorry, pardon me. Let's kick off with asking you, what is your favorite loyalty program? So my favorite loyalty program is Kohl's. So for those who aren't familiar, Kohl's, it's an American department store retail chain, and it is considered one of the largest department store chains in the U.S. based on the number of locations. And I personally like their clothing store brands. If mm -hmm. you aren't too familiar, they have diffusion lines from high-end designers like Vera Wang. And mm -hmm. there's also Sephora at Kohl's. That's a, a famous cosmetics and beauty company. Mm. And it's like this unique store within a store concept. So it's a really, a, a really unique one-stop shop. And 
I've been a loyal Kohl's customer for many years, and I'm a big fan of its loyalty program. Mm. Um, I'm also a Kohl's credit card holder, and the rewards program and the credit card really complement each other nicely. Mm. And it's an opt-in program, and you earn rewards, you receive an annual birthday gift, you receive personalized perks. So if you're a card holder, you receive additional member benefits like an anniversary gift and even additional savings. And my favorite perk is a currency. They have a currency called Kohl's Cash. So it's like getting paid to shop and you get $10 <laughs> of okay. Kohl's Cash for every $50 spent. And I, I really feel like it's a favorite loyalty program of mine because I feel valued as a customer and they really understand how to communicate with you. They send you reminders when you have Kohl's cash to spend and you receive coupons through the mail and Kohl's, they also send you emails of additional offers and it really reminds customers of the value prop of the program and mm. ensures that you don't leave money on the table as well, that you don't leave yeah. any perks or member benefits unused. Mm. Well, that sounds very interesting. I'm not familiar with Cole's department store, but the fact that you're um, experiencing this idea that you're getting paid to shop, Lisa, sounds incredible. It's <laughs> probably a tagline they used as well. I, I, I probably have heard it within the store and within their marketing communications. So it's, it's ingrained. There you go. <laughs> it's working. It's working. We love it. Great. Okay. Well, I'll have to try and get them on the show, Lisa, which is, um, you know, my uh, vested interest in asking that question is to line up other wonderful uh, guests as well to have these conversations. And certainly retail loyalty is one that I've had no experience personally. So I'm always curious. And I think what department stores probably struggle with is, you know, differing margins, for example, across all of their various departments. Um, and I'm just thinking back to Ireland. We have a couple of big department stores and they've certainly invested in loyalty as well in recent years. So great to see that that um, industry, I guess, is adopting and embracing it. And as you said, with the kind of spend that um, that certain customer segments have with department stores, it's definitely worthwhile to kind of keep people engaged. So well done, Coles. Yes. So listen, tell us then, Lisa, I know you've been with Verizon now for um, over four years, uh, but also did some fascinating work in Jaguar Land Rover, which I find quite fascinating, Lisa, particularly because as a consumer, I tend to see very little going on in um, in loyalty for car brands. Now, maybe I'm just missing it. Um, I know, for example, BMW have done something recently in the UK market, but otherwise it feels like that there could be a lot more done given the, um, the just, I suppose, the, the level of spend, of course, if you're going to buy, you know, a car from Jaguar Land Rover. So would you tell us a bit about your career and maybe particularly about what you did with uh, with Jaguar? Sure, absolutely. I mean, overall, I think loyalty is a very interesting space. And I transitioned to loyalty after working as a research scientist in graduating business school. So, wow. you know, it was a, a pretty dramatic career transition, I would say. I, I feel I still use some of those same skills and that skill set today. And I'm, I'm still well grounded in metrics, data analysis and, and finding creative solutions. And I have held loyalty marketing and strategy roles within various industries. So ranging from telecom, technology, 
automotive, as you mentioned, Jaguar, Land Rover, and retail. And it all began with starting a loyalty initiative at Burberry and then leading the launch of Jaguar's first loyalty program and now leading marketing strategy for Verizon Up, which is Verizon's award-winning loyalty program. So um, in my current role, I am responsible for um, leading communications, promotions, and member experiences for Verizon Up. And Verizon Up offers Verizon's wireless customers offers and rewards, and that ranges from Verizon products and services and top brand and gift cards, charity offers, and once-in-a-lifetime experiences. So I'm responsible for all engagement and acquisition plans to achieve program metrics and KPIs and develop the roles of channels and tactics. And for Jaguar, that was a really interesting time. We were launching so many new products and services, and we really had to target a whole new customer base. So Jaguar, when I was there, they launched their first SUV, the F-Pace, their first crossover, the E-Pace. They relaunched like a compact sedan, um, even the I-Pace, their first electric vehicle. So we needed to acquire new customers mm-hmm. and acquisition. I mean, it's it's a niche brand, Jaguar. So, mm. I mean, that was somewhat of an uphill battle where you're niche and you have to really essentially target all new customers. So the loyalty program came into play when um, we were launching these new vehicles and um, they dealt with not necessarily like how Verizon Up is like free member benefits, but rather different incentives and promotions for different customer segments. So we had um, campaigns that would target existing customers, but the majority would be acquisition. And we formed really unique um models. Um, It wasn't necessarily, maybe Mm. somewhere off the shelf, but a lot of personalized type of models to target um, these new um, customers to the brand. And so the loyalty program came into play with those different promotions. And we had to be very strategic. Some Mm. of these promotions may have been um, quite aggressive, but we want to make sure that we're targeting the right customer segments. Of course, absolutely. And again, my limited understanding, Lisa, is that um, cars in general are sold through dealer networks, which is perhaps one of the the reasons that the the manufacturing brand, and especially, as you said, uh, I suppose a luxury niche brand like Jaguar mightn't have had contact directly with its customers in the past. So quite interesting to hear that. And I would say also quite challenging because, you know, Loyalty is not usually seen as the the tool or the tactic um, that is easily used for acquisition of customers or even for, you know, um, you know, access to people to get permission to market to them, you know, even pre-customers. You know, I think that's quite an unusual idea. W- would that be fair to say? I think you're absolutely right because loyalty is all about retaining your existing customers and that retention play. Whereas here it was just because it was a unique situation, essentially an acquisition play. I mean, we definitely wanted to retain our customers that fit a certain customer profile that we assumed or thought and projected that they would be open to these new type of vehicles like the SUV or or mm. um, the E-Pace, the crossover. So um, there 
was essentially a retention play, but the majority, so to speak, because we had to expand our, our customer segment, we're expanding into all new categories, expanding the product line. It mm. was all new. Um, mm. So we wouldn't necessarily even have those existing customers in the first place. So really building that base. And I think, mm. I think with loyalty and, um, you know, relating even to promotions, the key is to find the right match with your customer segment and the the right product and service and then the right offer. Absolutely. And I do want to obviously move on to Verizon Up because that's what we're here to talk about. But just as we're on it, would you say that it was something, you know, that you were, you know, really happy with the results? Did it did it deliver for, you know, just again, being in the car industry? I'm super interested. Would you say it was um, more difficult than you maybe initially expected as a team? Um, did it deliver for for the business? There's always challenges, especially with new product launches and also some of these new categories. I mean, electric vehicle, that's essentially a a new concept. But we did see a really a strong um, growth um, in revenue and in sales. Um, We we were I would I did see a stat like we were the the top brand um, luxury brand. It was 2016 mm-hmm. for sales growth. So um, we did see we did see a significant amount of growth. But um, some some products and categories didn't necessarily perform as well as others. I mm-hmm. do remember the SUV, the F Pace, mm-hmm. um, was was fairly strong, and um, you'll you know I started seeing a lot of uh, F Paces on the road, which is a good sign. Some mm didn't necessarily perform as well. There were some struggles, but, um, Mm. you know, you start seeing there, there are going to be those hits and misses when, when you launch a whole set of of new products. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like the loyalty strategy and direct to consumer almost, you know, that, that sounds like it was a, an intrinsic part of, of getting those products to where they needed to be in terms of sales volumes. Yes, for Jaguar, I was involved with all their CRM campaigns, so even beyond loyalty. So, um, okay. I, you know, I I was involved with both acquisition and retention, all of Jaguar's campaigns for the North America market. And um, yeah, I guess around um, several a couple of years in, then we had all these new launches. So at first it was really a strong concentration on retention and then a pivot to acquisition with the the new um, launch of the new lines. Super, super. So what tempted you to Verizon then? (laughs) Verizon up when I joined Verizon, it was probably like six to nine months in um, mm-hmm. following launch. So it was an exciting time. I felt like I was able to build a loyalty platform from the ground up. So it was uh, almost reverse <laughs> compared to Jaguar, where Jaguar first focusing on retention and then acquisition, whereas here, the first half of my tenure at Verizon, I'm still there, has been trying to build that Verizon up membership base. It's an opt-in program. So building that base and then following that, once you really reach some of those milestones, then really encourage engagement. Mm. Um, We have seen that those customers that are engaged within Verizon up really um, over-index on many different types of metrics and data points, 
um, mm. with say NPS or reduction in churn and transactional benefits with Verizon products and services. And even more so if they have multiple relationships with, with Verizon, if they're also Fios, so um, you know, both wireless and wireline or um, credit card. We were at, at the time of the launch, um, things have changed, but at the time of the launch of the credit card, um, we were integrated. There was a, a currency called Verizon dollars and that was integrated within Verizon mm. up. So there have been some changes mm. recently, but um, Verizon up as a whole um, is also becoming more of a integrated platform in integrating across the Verizon ecosystem. So you'll see that we have partner offers. So you'll mm -hmm. see Harry and David, uh, some seasonal offers, some partnership um, rewards in-app. But then we have also Verizon products and services. And you'll see, say, many different um, Verizon branded accessories. And then also we had um, other Verizon products and services as rewards um, within Verizon up um, travel pass and cloud and smart family and um, mm. those type of rewards. So um, mm. we are, you know, continuing to build that integration across that Verizon ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely complex. And again, as you know, I, I started my loyalty career with O2 Priority. So um, very similar and very familiar and fond memories of, you know, driving that integration. And that's why I always love to um, to understand, Lisa, even what you just referred to there, you know, what's the reason for being for a loyalty program? Because I think there's a lot of difference across all industries. And it does seem with telecommunications that it really serves very effectively as a differentiator versus other networks. And I think what um, any business, particularly of the scale of Verizon, you know, will discover is building a loyalty proposition that is unique is um, quite expensive and time consuming, dare I say it. And for that reason, once you do go down that path and start to evolve it and respond to what the customers are feeding back to you, it does really give a very powerful differentiator for the company. I think that's a very unique point and an important one because Telecommunications can be seen as simply a commodity. It's, yeah. it's a service. Typically, they have quite low NPS scores. Yes, you're absolutely <laughs> uh, right. Cable yeah. companies, and I mean, they trend what slightly higher than the IRS. Is that the, the joke? But <laughs> um, but as a but as a whole, um, telecommunications, and I, I see some um, unique loyalty initiatives and programs. We even have. Um, just to give you some background of telecommunications in the U.S., there's there's the big three. There's Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. And T-Mobile recently merged with Sprint. Okay. And T-Mobile has something called T-Mobile Tuesdays, and it's you know it's a, a weekly type of offer. Mm. But um, for Verizon Up, we want to um, offer member benefits throughout the customer life cycle and throughout the month. A customer can claim rewards throughout the month and remain mm. engaged within the platform. And we want our customers to feel valued. So there is, say, a, 
a transactional component I was mentioning, like accessory offers, but there's also those long-term type of metrics that you don't necessarily see a, a short-term ROI. It's it's churn benefit. It's mm. um, net promoter score. Those mm. type of things can take time. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. that's where loyalty comes into play as well, both with short-term yeah. initiatives as well as those longer-term metrics. Yeah. And I do think it shows um, a lot of, I suppose, leadership integrity when there is that level of investment, because again, certainly going back to my days in 02, you know, when we signed off and we were told the board had approved the investment, it was a three-year commitment straight up, you know, and I really certainly going into that, you know, and thinking on behalf of consumers, I found it very reassuring that there was an awareness at the C-suite that these are longer term initiatives, that we're not in it just to drive short term behavioral change, because I think often loyalty is seen as this, you know, quick fix panacea for, you know, some business issue. Um, and sometimes it can be a big job to um, to educate internal stakeholders about exactly what you've referred to in terms of, you know, having the patience to allow the loyalty program do its job. And I think another point is that loyalty and loyalty programs move beyond just the transaction. And then like a a current topic now that's usually discussed is emotional loyalty and that emotional connection. And with telecommunications, an overall trend could be I'm going to hop to the next company that offers the best device offer or the overall price. And you, you see that routinely customers are impacted by price. Um, On top of network quality of network, that's also a major one. But emotion is that key driver to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to the most profitable customer type Mm. of behavior, influencing customer spend, loyalty and LTV. Mm. So um, I would say emotional loyalty has been behind rising up strategy to emphasize membership and access to experiences. And so we have something even called first access called pre-sale. We have a new partnership mm-hmm. with Live Nation to purchase mm-hmm. event and concert tickets as well as super tickets where there are mm-hmm. a lot of white glove VIP events that a customer can um, try to claim. Mm-hmm. And um, you'll see like even in our our marketing messaging, we refer to these exclusive experiential type of rewards and giving our members more access. Mm. And I know this is literally hot off the presses, Lisa, and uh, Live Nation is perhaps not a brand that will be known by, you know, everybody listening around the world. But I think in simple terms, Live Nation are the world leader in um, venue operations, certainly in Ireland, UK. They really are absolutely the market leader of operating those extraordinary venues so giving the likes of Verizon up members the opportunity to get pre-sale access because, of course, all of the concerts, and I think particularly coming out of the pandemic, there's a pent-up demand for live experiences and getting back out into the world of concerts and theatre and, and entertainment overall, I guess. Yes, yes. Live Nation it is the major company behind concerts and tours for major artists, especially um, within the U.S. So it's it's really nice to launch um, now with the whole resurgence and the reopening and yeah. 
Exactly that. Customers are excited to be back into the world and get back to their old way of life and going to concerts and, and experiencing that firsthand. So we're we're mm-hmm. really happy to offer that access to our customers. Yeah. Yeah. I think what it does do is it makes us all again feel excited, feel alive, feel the emotional connection that you were referring to earlier. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. To even move beyond the transaction, move beyond that promotional um, spend and messaging into that then emotional um, connection with our customers. Yeah. I mean, certainly in my time, and I doubt it's changed that much, you know, there's a couple of sectors of consumer spend where actually it's almost a grudge purchase. And certainly things like fuel is one of those. And I do think utility bills, unfortunately, we all want the benefits of our mobile phone. We want an exceptional, of course, high-speed network. But when it comes to paying our bill, actually, we really seem to resent it in a way that's probably not very fair given the, the cost to provide providing a service like that, the infrastructure required. I think so. And also within the pandemic, especially network usage and reliability became even more important, especially as we're online working from home. Um, It became even more important to have that that reliability. And it's not necessarily sexy, but um, you do notice when when you don't have that. (laughs) Totally. Um, um, reliability. So, um, you know, Verizon always makes it makes a point to say that essentially our, our biggest asset, it's it's servicing our customers and providing a mm. strong network. Yeah. Ne- the network is is our strongest service and product for our customers. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. It's getting the basics right. And again, I think because it's something that is very much behind the scenes, I don't think certainly me as a consumer, I don't appreciate the complexity and the cost of delivering that kind of infrastructure. So again, definitely something that I always kind of, you know, took for granted. Like the phone, like to your point, you know, the phone was always the sexy part. So whether that was Apple or or Samsung or any of the market leaders, that's what um, customers always aspired to was the handset. And again, the network behind it, to me, again, before I got into the industry, I always assumed regardless of what network I was on, but I was getting a similar or probably identical service in terms of its reliability. But I certainly learned over time that's absolutely not the case. It does depend, you know, how well the infrastructure has been built underneath. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the the shiny, sexy objects like the devices, the big Apple launches always, yeah. you know, get the big headlines and we're always the the worker bee behind the scene, but uh, you can't have one without the other, totally. especially in this day and age. So um, yeah. know, we're, we're here to service our, our customers. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if my figures are 100% up to date, Lisa, but the last figures I saw, I think it was the end of actually 2020, was quoting that Verizon has 120.9 million customer customers. Um, And I'm sure, you know, that's, uh, I don't know if you can talk about the membership numbers of Verizon up, but in terms of a consumer base, that's an incredible number. We, I can't speak specifically to the number of members within Verizon up, but a a strong percentage Mm -hmm. are a part of Verizon up and we see that engagement. So, you know, we're really happy with the results. Great, great. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
So what would you say, Lisa, are the biggest kind of trends in loyalty, given your background with Jaguar and Burberry as well, another wonderful brand? Um, What would you say is going on in the world of loyalty right now? I think loyalty has been really direct, directly impacted by the pandemic. I think the pandemic had some overarching trends. And one of those, which I think is really impacting many industries and many different functions, are that customers are more fluid. Um, they're really, um, I mean, especially following the pandemic, where we have um, inflation and customers are becoming more price sensitive. Mm-hmm. and less loyal to name brands, so to speak. So even supply chain issues are also impacting the product selection at mm-hmm. stores. So, I mean, I read a stat that um, more than 80% of consumers bought from a different brand than their usual brand in the past few months. So mm-hmm. um, you do see that brand switching, that lack of loyalty. And so that's where I think loyalty programs and platforms are key that Mm. a customer, again, beyond the transaction, how does your brand make a customer feel? How Mm. have you treated a customer in the past, that customer service aspect, Mm. the customer experience comes into play. So Mm. I think that's a major trend. And Mm. another trend would be personalized rewards, which could be seen as a direct response to this customer fluidity. Mm-hmm. And being personalized leads to rewards, which are relevant and exclusive and leads to building that emotional connection with customers. So when you build that emotional loyalty, you know, again, um, mm-hmm. moving beyond the best deal, so to speak. And really, personalized rewards ultimately result in an increase in that customer value. So um, Verizon, we are making a point and initiative to trend towards that personalization. We are having an upcoming relaunch. So um, there there will be um, more, to, more to come with personalization. But I mean, even now, currently, we have certain upgrade offers for customers. We have anniversary offers for a customer's wireless anniversary, and that's personalized as well. We have personalized campaigns. We have, say, reminder campaigns reminding customers um, to use their their offers. Um, we also have personalization in the past, say with e-statements. Um, currently, we have like if they're upgrade eligible, you'll see that version within within an e-statement. Um, if you're a cardholder, there would be a, a certain personalization there. So we try mm-hmm. to personalize on both the reward offer level as well as the campaign level. Mm, well done, because it's it's definitely a complex piece of work. And I can tell that your scientific background is coming through <laughs> in terms of making all that work, because, um, yeah, it is the holy grail. And um, there's a lot of talk about it and remarkably low success rates of having it fully executed. I think everybody is working very hard on it all of the time. So and I guess the job is never done, Lisa, either um, in terms of you know, obviously, the more we learn, the more we have to continually personalizing what sounds like you're a fair way down the track compared to a lot of people. We try our best. We're always looking to optimize. We're always looking for that one-to-one connection with our customers to ensure that it's relevant. So definitely more to come. And um, even going back to your question, and this is making me think of um, Um, even more examples is really that seamless omni-channel type of experience and then also mobile first. And to give you um, 
some insight into Verizon Up. It launched and is currently app-based, 100% app-based. So we've always been mobile first and uh, we try our best to integrate across that Verizon ecosystem. So if you claim an accessory reward um, within Verizon Up and another CTA will be after you claim that um, you can now make a purchase within the app um, to, to, um, to use that discount for an accessory immediately. So there is that seamless type of experience. And then when we had device dollars, device dollars was also integrated within the shop flow to make mm. a purchase for a device. So there mm. is that integration that there is that seamlessness. Mm-hmm. So um, we really tried to make things very easy for the customer. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, you know, that whole shop flow integration. Yeah. No, it's essential. Yeah. Removing the friction at the end of the day. We all know that we're fundamentally busy people. You know, I've heard the term cognitive overload um, as something that uh, I think we're all increasingly suffering from, um, even pre-pandemic and certainly through the, the pandemic. I think we all want simplicity. So anything you can do to get that integrated into the flow, I think absolutely drives conversion. Um, and just with the, the topic of personalization, I suppose, um, you know, it's almost impossible to discuss that without wondering about privacy and how um, how consumers in the US feel about privacy. You know, I think coming from a European background, in fact, the European Data Protection Commissioner is, is um, usually based in, in Ireland, was usually an Irish uh, representative. So I've always been super high alert to privacy regulations and we've got GDPR. So, so what is the situation like and what kind of consumer sensitivity or not do you have with privacy in the context of personalization? So privacy restrictions have been getting tighter and tighter, like Apple's mail privacy protection released with the iOS 15, the GDPR regulations and the limitations of third-party cookies. So customer data is becoming more limited as a Mm. result Mm. And this is where I feel loyalty comes into play because loyalty programs are effective and there are an effective way to collect zero party and first party mm-hmm. data. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a clear value exchange with loyalty programs. Customers want to be rewarded for sharing their data. So zero mm-hmm. party data helps with the phasing out of cookies and customers are in control of the data they choose to share with your brand. And I Mm -hmm. think that is key. And um, with the whole relaunch of Verizon upcoming in the next several months, there will be more ways for customers to share their tastes and preferences. And in a general sense, a lot of different loyalty programs and platforms, they can allow customers to share their tastes and preferences with, say, surveys, polls, gamification. And I think customers feel more at ease when they know, okay, I consciously am sharing information with you for that member benefit, for that personalization. Mm-hmm. And they they see that um, firsthand, whereas if it's done, say, in a creepy way where totally. um, you, um, yeah. you're you're seeing this customer behavior on the back end or you're not communicating it quite properly to the customer, they might feel resentful as a result. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It is the execution. And I think when it's um, a little too personal, and I think we've all experienced that, 
or in an unexpected context, I do think then, you know, we all tend to feel a bit kind of freaked out and a bit like not really sure, you know. I mean, I've had experiences and, you know, I still don't know how some of them happened, but where I would be verbally discussing something, for example, or sending a WhatsApp and all of a sudden I'm being targeted by a product on a totally different platform. And then I'm starting to wonder, you know, where where was that picked up from? Is it my Alexi, as I call her, when I'm speaking out loud, so I don't set off everybody's uh, <laughs> home devices. Um, but yeah, th- there's a very important awareness in terms of, you know, what, what consumers are comfortable with. And it sounds like you're you're treading very carefully with that. I'm glad I'm not the only one that has seen that creepiness because, I mean, I've been discussing, say, butternut squash risotto recipes with my mom and all of a sudden she'll receive an ad of risotto squash recipes. So um, it's a a little too personalized. There's that fine line. Totally, totally. And for your mother to notice as well, I mean, that's a whole different demographic, demographic, of course, because I think we're tuned into it and we're online, obviously, most of our certainly working lives. So, you know, I tend to think, oh, maybe I Googled a recipe or something, but uh, might be less likely for our parents. So, yeah, there is um, definitely an important line not to be crossed when it comes to that privacy. And the piece I was thinking as well, Lisa, as you were talking about that is, with the proposition that you've launched now with Live Nation, that was definitely one where we saw on the O2 priority side, a huge appetite, you know, for people to identify particularly maybe a genre of music that they do want pre-sale access to tickets, for example. So, you know, I'm a country music fan, which I know is not something to always boast about, but however, that is what I like. Um, So I do tend to, uh, I love when a country music artist comes to Ireland or now Dubai, of course. So like there's no point telling me, for example, that there's a hip hop artist coming. But over time, I think that's exactly what, um, you know, your members will absolutely get joy from sharing exactly what they do want access to, because then at least they know it's not that kind of, you know, mass market proposition where it's sent out to everybody, but they send it out to the fans who will be most interested in that type of music. Totally agree because you could have data that supports that this person is a strong music enthusiast, but that can mean a lot of different things. You might be very into country music, whereas then uh, a hip hop artist would not be relevant to you. So um, just being a music enthusiast really doesn't tell you all what you need to know. And, um, you know, you can really turn a a customer off if they're suddenly receiving push campaigns about uh, a certain artist where they're just simply not interested to ever go to a show. So lots going on, Lisa, huh? Things are always exciting uh, at Verizon and Verizon Up. There's always uh, a new launch. There's always a new product and service. And it's all about keeping things new and fresh for customers. Totally. And anything else that's coming up in the future? Is it all top secret or are there other things coming out that you can even tease us with? Or do we have to wait till you come back onto the show a second time? Well, there's still a lot more to come and um, it should be launching within the next couple of months. But um, even in the meantime, we have great rewards in app. And so we have um, different accessory offers. We have seasonal type of partner offers. and continue to check back for pre-sale and super tickets. And so, I mean, we really have a strong offering for our customers. 
Wonderful, wonderful. So I'm sure everybody who's listening, certainly in the US market, will be very excited to go and look at Verizon Up and the evolving proposition because literally I think a lot of the changes you've made most recently are are what, literally a couple of weeks old. And as you said, lots more coming up in the coming months as well. So so listen, that's all of the questions I had for you today, Lisa. Was there anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up? Well, I really appreciate the time um, you spent with me today to um, really allow me to share my insights about Verizon Up with your audience. And I, I know there is an international aspect to your audience, which um, is, is great. And there's so much exciting things on the horizon for Verizon Up. So definitely stay tuned. And it would be great to connect with you even following those changes. And especially as the world continues to evolve and um, we'll see where it goes. For sure. And if it's okay with you, Lisa, what I will do is make sure to put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So if people want to reach out, perhaps they can uh, check in with you directly. Sounds perfect. Thank you. Great. Okay. Well, listen, it's been a fantastic conversation, Lisa. As I said, very uh, fond memories for me of telecommunications. I love the work that you're doing. So Lisa Rutel, Marketing Strategy Lead at Verizon. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Loyalty People, a global strategic consultancy with a laser focus on loyalty, CRM and customer engagement. The Loyalty People work with clients in lots of different ways, whether it's the strategic design of your loyalty program or a full service, including loyalty project execution. And they can also advise you on choosing the right technology and service partners. On their website, the Loyalty People also runs a free global community for loyalty practitioners. And they also publish their own loyalty expert insights. So for more information and to subscribe, check out theloyaltypeople.global. so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.